0: We're obviously thankful for you young people, and we rejoice in you, and we would invite you to stay the course because it won't be easy. It won't be easy to become a, a worshiper and a continued worshiper of the Lord God. Anybody can sing a song on a Sunday morning when you're feeling good, but what happens the next day and the next day and the next day in the pits where... Our faith is really needed and walked out. (coughs) Father, we're just thankful for you. We're thankful for what you do in each of our lives as our Savior, our Redeemer, our rescuer, our chain breaker, our healer, the giver of dreams, the one true, perfect sacrifice, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. We're thankful for you. We're thankful to be in your presence. We're thankful to consider your glory and your goodness. Open our hearts and our minds this morning more and more to who you are as we look into your revelation, your word, your authority, your witness, your character, your beauty, your love, your purposes. Thank you for your word the compass, the guide, the rule, the guard. Thank you for watching over us. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Is that thing doing that breathing thing? Okay. That's me. I'll have to work that out. So, a moth this morning, laying it on its back out in the parking lot. Okay? The fact, that it was, the fact that it has a front and back, and the fact that I could recognize it, is marvelous in itself. But what really impressed me was the pattern on the wing. Now, this isn't the one I saw, but I'm just saying... Let's just imagine that you come across this. You're walking early in the morning as you do in the morning because you want to take a walk and you want to meet with God and have a conversation and thank Him that you have legs and your legs work. And you stumble across this. And you're, when you look at it, you're going, wow, that it's just, I mean, I can't believe that uh, I can be so thankful that that's just a chance occurrence. That the pattern, I think I see a pattern, don't you? So, I was always pondering that this morning, according to the passage we have to look, have the privilege to look at. It was the pattern, the symmetry, the organization, the purpose, the intention, reason, logic. It looked to me that some mind was involved in this. Some mind was involved, or it just is. And so, is it random? Is it chance? Is it an accident? I have something I need to read to you. The next slide. This is cute. So... What I want to point out there is this is the face of a little tiny bug, okay? And maybe you haven't had the privilege to look this closely at a bug before, but look at those eyes. Let me read you something about the eyes. The eye has always been an organ of controversy for evolutionary biologists. The difference in eye structure between a spider and a human is so stark that it seems illogical that both eyes should have uh, evolutionary relatedness. It was therefore assumed, given the vast variety of eye structures found in nature, that the eye must have arisen by random chance more than 40 individual times during evolution. Charles Darwin knew that with this theory of evolution, he was able to explain that once an eye was created by random chance, then selective pressures would give rise to the diversity seen within the different species. But within that logic was a basic problem. Opponents to Darwin's theory pointed out that it seems impossible that such a perfect organ like the eye could have evolved by random chance more than 40 times. So that means just in one particular eye. So I, I started pondering in this passage that we're, we're looking at this morning in 2 Peter chapter 2. How is Peter speaking to some of that? And this morning is not a discussion of creation versus evolution. It's just discussion of the wonder of God's word. So if you have your Bibles open, 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 1, dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They scoff at creation. They scoff at the flood. They scoff at the second coming. They scoff at the name we were just singing about the name of Jesus, the chain breaker, the way maker, the healer. They will say, Where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And you could go on and you could go through Genesis and you could say every seed uh, bearing plant after its own kind, any, every animal after its own kind, and every eye and every moth, 4,000 different types of moths. Just moths. That didn't include butterflies. But scoffers, following their own desires, forget. Deliberately, Go by God's word, the heavens existed. Verse 6. The world of that time was deluged and destroyed by the same word, The present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, it's like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but to everyone to come to repentance. And here's a verse that I'm going to unpack just a little bit today is verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. And speed its coming. That day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Wow. Wow. The eye, the pattern on the butterfly's wings. we do know and don't know which is a lot we know as believers in scripture it will not be random the future and if you don't know that phrase back when i was a kid willy-nilly was a phrase we used and i don't know for sure what it means that's it it just means willy-nilly it will not be the end it will not be like humans make plans whatever whatever happens no it's not whatever it's whatever god says will happen will happen the study of these particular verses and this particular subject the the last days the eschaton the eschatology the apocalypse Um, when he uses this phrase, the day of the Lord. This is the day, Judy mentioned this earlier, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And if you were trying to decipher and understand and interpret what scripture means, some of the passages like that, that uh, you would read, this is the day of the Lord the lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it there's not a lot of trying to understand what that means but yet it has drastic implications for every and i was telling somebody earlier today it was Margot chris i said well it's a great day but here's what i'm trying to learn i'm trying to learn that every single day you live and breathe on this earth has tremendous significance Some days you're more aware of it than others. Those are the days you'd say, oh, it's a great day. But you know what? Yesterday was a great day and there'll be great days tomorrow. Some of them will be very painful. Some of them will be difficult. Some of you are in those days right now. But every day is a day the Lord has made and we have opportunity to rejoice in it and recognize that and understand that's a uh, kind of a broad stroke how would you interpret that verse? This is the day the Lord has made. Well, I would just say, well, it's a day the Lord has made. But how you interpret this is the day of the Lord? As Peter says, on that day, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Verse 10 the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. It's not like the same verse where Jesus says on the cross, I am thirsty. Okay, what do you think that means? When Jesus is on the cross and he says, I'm thirsty. What do you think that means? You understand what that means? It means he was thirsty. Okay, so in this particular section of Scripture, all of chapter 3 basically, the general consensus of the scholars is agreement that these are difficult, difficult ideas to interpret in detail. Very difficult to interpret the more detail you attempt to add to them, but there's widespread agreement on the basic message. So if you come to this section of scripture, or somebody else takes you to this section of scripture, and they say, let me tell you the details of how the end is going to come about, and when Jesus is going to return, and all the details that will happen. No. Be very weary immediately. And understand these are difficult things to interpret and understand all that Peter might have been trying to communicate. All the Holy Spirit's trying to communicate. But they are agreement on these basic things. Number one, God's in charge of history. Okay? God's in charge of the past. He's in charge of the present. And he's in charge of the future. God has a plan of how things will go, how things have gone, how things will go and how things are going in the future. There was a time of creation where God stepped in and spoke and out of his powerful word and his authority, he spoke things into existence. There was a flood. All the details We're still researching. We're still finding out. We're still learning. There will be a second coming. No man knows the day or the hour spoken from the lips of Jesus. There will be a day of the Lord, a day of destruction, a day of judgment, a day of fire. On that day, things will change. In some minor sense, today, Is the day of the Lord, but it's not in the same way as the day of the Lord. The phrase that occurs over twenty times in the Old Testament, four times in the New Testament, in the Book of Isaiah alone, forty-five times. This little phrase on that day, and so Scripture scholars. This is one man named R. Showers, Renald Showers. He said this. That the day of the Lord refers to God's special interventions into the course of the world. Events to judge his enemies, accomplish his purposes for history, and thereby demonstrate who he is, the sovereign God of the multiverse. I mean, that's a new discovery, right? We don't live in a universe. There's multiple, multiple universes. And there's stars we're still discovering out there. The InterVarsity Press Dictionary of Theological Terms defines the day of the Lord as a biblical phrase often used by Old Testament prophets who pointed to a future event or an era, not necessarily a single 24-hour day, sometimes an hour in that 24-hour day, sometimes that era of time, but a duration of time during which God visits judgment on His own people and on the world as he's done in the past, as he does in the present, and as he certainly will do in the future. The day of the Lord, this phrase, I want to make sure you saw that in First Peter chapter 10, but the day of the Lord. Okay, so this phrase, the day of the Lord, that's what I'm talking about. The day of the Lord is so unique and so significant that it is also referred to as that day. Like I said, that day in in the book of Isaiah alone, 45 times. And we're going to look at a few of those verses. And it would be normal, and it is normal. I remember being some of your kids' age when I first started asking the questions that every human being has to ask at some point in their life. Where's this all going? Where does this end, and where will I end? Is there a God? Is he good? What, what about all this evil? What about all this destruction? How is this all going to end? So fearing death and fearing the end of the world, very, very normal fears. If you are thinking person at all, reasonable at all, you should have some trepidation about the future. You know why? Because you're not in control of it and neither am I. And it could surprise you, like Scripture says. It could come like a thief in the night. It's like the fear of heights. You can work with it. Fear of drowning. Fear of getting up here on stage in front of people. You might think, well, that's over next time I get up here. No fears, right? We'll, we'll check, see how that works for you. But having some question with which it carries some trepidation about how everything will end has been the subject of movies and books for years and years and years. It was very interesting just to look up. uh, I didn't know this, but if you look up movies about the end of the world, it started showing little clips on the Internet and not clips of the movies, but little sentences said all the movies from 2018 about the end of the world. I didn't even know there was more than one (laughs) but there's multiple all the movies from 2015 about the end of the world all the movies about 2021 so stories told books written theories spun out hypotheticals revelations the late great planet earth d-day apocalypse now end of the world i am legend how it ends each year new books and movies Patient Zero, The Day After Tomorrow, Independence Day, Take Shelter, The Lost Tribe, The Remaining. Those are just a simple sample of some of the names of books and movies that talk about the end of the world. And I thought, well, Scripture tells us a lot to say, has a lot to say about this day and what's going to transpire in the future. But if we don't know, there's a verse in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. And we're going to put, try to keep up and put some of these on the screen for you. So I don't want you to get lost. But look what it says. Um, since the children have flesh and blood, and oh, this is a different version, but I will read it in my mind here. It says, talking about Jesus here, okay? It says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And so this morning, part of Peter's message is to encourage the people he's writing to that God's got this. However this thing spins out, it's not random. It's not chance. God's got this. And so in some sense, every day is the day of the Lord for certain people because it might be the day they die. And Hebrews also tells us it's been given unto man to die once and after that face judgment. So in some sense, every day could be the day of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. But not every day is the day of the Lord in the sense that Peter is talking about in Verse 10. So let me just share another verse with you. This would be First Thessalonians chapter one. So you have Colossians, Thessalonians chapter one, verse nine and ten. Listen to what this says. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus. Who rescues us from the coming wrath? So, when Peter talks about something um, happening at the end, that includes fire, it includes destruction, it includes judgment, all the rest of Scripture confers that and agrees with those things. But the problem is, if you get too detailed, orientated, and you want too many answers, you can go off in all kinds of tangents that the scripture wouldn't want you to do. But the general idea, God's got this. The one who created the world, the one who flooded the world, the one who's sending his son back again. So that's what Peter's saying. And he's saying, by God's word, by God's word, by God's word. So pick it up with me again in verse 10 of Peter. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come, Like a thief, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? So you can can do research and I would encourage you anytime you want to study, go ahead and study. There's volumes you can read on the day of the Lord. But if it doesn't affect what kind of people you ought to be, What kind of person you are when you go to work tomorrow morning and you hit the clock or whatever it is you do. If the world will end like this and God's got it, what kind of person ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Now that's next week for graduation Sunday. That's basically the title of the sermon. Now that you've graduated and the hardest part of your life is over, (laughs) hey it's difficult to pay attention in school right ask any one of those kids but now that the hardest part of their life is over how ought you to live we're going to talk about that next week but this morning we're going to talk about the day of the lord the day of the lord and we're going to go through some verses like i said Specifically referenced 20 times in the Old Testament, the phrase the day of the Lord, depending on what translation of the Bible you're using. Four to five times in the New Testament, the day of the Lord, depending on what translation you're using. 45 times alone in the book of Isaiah on that day or in that day. So the idea that's trying to be communicated by scripture is God's got this. And when we're talking about prophecy, Back when many of these things were written in the Old Testament, they're like somebody taking a rock, okay? You pick up a rock that's just been laying there, and you look at it and you say, oh, this is perfect, and I happen to be standing on the edge of the lake. This must have been fashioned by someone so that I could skip it. Just hypothetical, okay? But you take the rock and you skip it, and the idea is the rock would skip and skip and skip and skip, right? And if you're good at it, like my daughter, she can skip a rock twice. No, I'm just kidding. Just seeing if you're awake. But no, we used to skip rocks a lot and she can skip pretty good. The idea is when the the Lord is speaking of the day of the Lord, it's like a rock skipping. It touches down. And many of the prophecies in the Old Testament, when it speaks about the day of the Lord, it's speaking about a specific time an event in history when Babylon was coming to crush Jerusalem and judge God's people. And you can read about it. But when it hits, it doesn't just stay back in 586 B.C. It skips again and again and again and again on into the future. And that's what Peter's trying to give us a picture of. Listen, he said themselves, these scoffers that say, time just goes on, immortal, forever and ever. Nothing ever changes. God doesn't intervene. And I'll tell you, the voice of the enemy on certain days of the week, and you know what I'm talking about, those of you who are suffering, and you've known suffering, there are certain days where you just think, will God ever intervene? Will I ever hear his voice again? Will this ever change? Can I ever make right what's been wrong? Will he intervene in my life? And so the scoffers would say, you know what? Deal with it. There's no God. There's no intervention. Just deal with it. Get over it. Stay in your fear and just take a guess at how it's going to end because that's what people do when they don't have the scriptures. But we have the scriptures. And I would just, yeah, I'll invite you to turn this one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 5. It says this. Now brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord, the day that Peter's addressed, peace and safety. Sounds like the scoffers, right? Ha! God's judgment, ha! God's return of his son, ha! It'll never happen. You don't have to worry about that. There's no consequences for your choices. Just go on and live merrily each day. Don't have a care in the world. Peter... er, While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you brothers, and he's talking about people who would know the Lord and know the scriptures, you're not in the dark so that that day should surprise you like a thief. You're all sons of the light, sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or through the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us be alert and self control. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self control, putting our faith, <coughs> putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint you to suffer wrath. That should be comforting. but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So we're going to take a little trip through um, some of the verses in the Old Testament on the day of the Lord. And I'm turning to Isaiah. We're going to start there and try to go through chronologically. You can, we're going to put some up on the screen. And so you can get a sense and a flavor of what Scripture teaches about this day that Peter's referring to. Okay? So like I said, in the book of Isaiah, this little phrase, in that day, on that day, in the last days, 45 times in the book of Isaiah. Some specific times it will say the day of the Lord is. And so we're going to just look at some of those. So in Isaiah chapter 2.11, well, let me just start with 2.2. 2. You want you just to point out, and I want you just to see the phrase in Isaiah 2.2. 2, it says, in the last days. Well, what last days? When? What's he talking about? You'd have to read the context. You have to search there. You have to discover. But this phrase appears again and again. Chapter 2, verse 20, in that day. Chapter 3, verse 7, in that day. You don't need to follow these, Lauren. I'll tell you the ones. Thank you. So in chapter 3, verse 18, in that day. Chapter 4, verse 1, in that day. Verse 2, in that day. So this little phrase keeps coming. Then you come to chapter 13, and you can bring that one up, Lauren. Chapter 13, verse 6. So if you remember what 1 Peter or 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says, listen to what this says in the Old Testament. Verse 6, Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Okay? So part of what I want you to understand is the world isn't going to end because women are using too much hairspray and it's damaging the ozone. Okay? The world is not going to end because of that. The world is not going to end because the polar ice caps melt because of global warming, and we have a flood. That's not how the world's going to end. The world's not going to end because there's a widespread famine and there's a plague and there's viruses. even those, those things are part of our world. If you were living in 1992. In the area of Devil's Lake, Minnesota, there's 36 foot rise in the lake over the last 20 years. So some of those people said, well, God, you said you wouldn't flood us out. No, you didn't read the book. The book said he's going to put a rainbow in the sky to prove and demonstrate that he wouldn't flood the earth again. Chapter 13, verse 9. Isaiah. See, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. Verse 10. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. That's also included in Matthew 24. So while we're still in Isaiah, we have chapter 34, verse 8. Chapter 34, verse 8. For the, for the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of retru- retribution to uphold Zion's cause. Chapter 34, verse 4. All the stars of the heavens will be dissolved and the sky rolled up like a scroll. All the starry hosts will fall like withered leaves from the vine, like shriveled shriveled figs from the fig tree. Jeremiah chapter 46. Now I'm going to scamper along through some of these passages to just give you the feel and the flavor of this day. Because Peter, when he's using this phrase, he didn't pull it out of a hat. He would have been thoroughly familiar with the Old Testament Scriptures. When he says the day of the Lord, he's gathering that information. And he has an idea by the Holy Spirit what he's referring to, what he's talking about. Jeremiah chapter 46, verse 10 says this, but that day belongs to the Lord, the Lord Almighty, a day of vengeance, for vengeance on his foes. The sword will devour till it is satisfied, till it is quenched its thirst with blood. For the Lord, the Lord Almighty, will offer sacrifice in the land of the north by the river Euphrates. You go on a little further and you come to the little prophet Joel. Hosea, Joel. Joel chapter 1, verse 15. Alas, for that day, for the day of the Lord is near, it will come like destruction from the Almighty. Has not the food been cut off before our very eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seas are shriveled beneath clods. The storehouses are in ruin. The granaries have broken down. How the cattle moan the herds because they have no pasture. Chapter 2, verse 1, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy hill, let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, it is close at hand, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, like dawn spreading across the mountains, a large and mighty army comes, such as never was of old, and never will be in ages to come. Chapter 2, Verse 11, the Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number, and mighty are those who obey his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? Now, we know from the context of Joel that many of these verses are speaking of an army of locusts. But then again, the interpreters say, is this locust symbolism for men? And what's the period of time? And it goes back and forth, and that rock skips into the future. So, Joel chapter 2, verse 31. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Next book is Amos. Amos 5, verse 18, says this. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear, as though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch dark without a ray of brightness? So when Peter's talking about the elements will dissolve and the heavens will be burned up with fire, he's thinking about what the Old Testament has already pictured. Obadiah chapter 1, there's only one chapter, verse 15. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. Zephaniah, Zephaniah, a little prophet, only a couple chapters long, three chapters in all, uses the day of the Lord phrase eight times in just this little book. Verse 7, be silent before the sovereign Lord for the day of the Lord is near. I would invite you, I, I had the privilege during this time of study where I just got to get away and be by myself. And I go out in the woods and I sit on a stump. And it says, be, the sovereign Lord says the day of the Lord is near. And Jesus, remember what Jesus said when he came? He said the kingdom of heaven is near, it is at hand. And I stop and say, Lord, help me to see it. If it's at hand and if it's near, help open my eyes, open the eyes of my heart, open the eyes of my mind so I can see it, so I can see you, so I can be less aware of the stuff and all the physical things and more aware of spiritual things, more aware of God who is spirit. On that day, the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the princes and the kings and all those clad in foreign clothes. On that day, I will punish all who avoid stepping on the threshold. And that just means the people that trust in um, good luck charms. I remember when you used to skip down the sidewalk. If you step on, you never wanted to step on a crack because when you were little, when you were a little kid like me, step on a crack, break your mother's back. And so that's the same thing he's saying here. People avoid stepping on the threshold because they live in, I can't even think about the right word, but it's um, trusting in fairy tales and sayings and things like that. Verse 14, Zephaniah, the great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. Listen, the cry on that day of the Lord will be bitter. The shouting of the warrior there. Zephaniah 1.18. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole world will be consumed. For he will make a sudden end of all who live on earth. It was interesting this, this past week, I was talking to a guy from Minneapolis. And he was, we were talking about sustainability. And he said, hey, Chris, did you hear the news? And he said, one of the richest men on the face of the earth right now, 27 years married, is getting a divorce. And he said, Do you think that's going to speak to our culture? Is that going to speak to our culture? Can you use that in your worldviews class? That one of the richest people on the face of the earth, ever of all time, 27 years of marriage, and they fell. Out of love or something, they're splitting. Is that the sign of our times? Is that, or is it just not to trust in money, but to put your hope in the Lord? To put your hope in the Lord. And I was thinking, the day of the Lord. Is there some scoffers today that think that they're being prepared and that if Jesus returns, they're going to offer them some cash. And that's part of their plan. And we might fool ourselves and call us an insurance policy or a retirement plan. But some people are actually thinking that way. And it says here, neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole world will be consumed For he will make a sudden end of all who live on earth. Verse 3. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. You who do what he commands. Chapter 2, verse 3. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. On that day. If you skip forward to... Zechariah, chapter 14. You have to almost read the whole chapter of Zechariah, chapter 14. Because it says, even the first phrase of chapter 14, a day of the Lord is coming when your, your plunder will be divided among you. Verse 4, on that day. Verse 6, on that day. Verse 8, on that day. Verse 9, on that day. Verse 13, on that day, verse 20, on that day, holy to the Lord will be ascribed on the belts of the horses and the cooking pots in the Lord's house will be like sacred bowls in the front of the altar. Every pot in Jerusalem and Judah will be holy to the Lord Almighty and all who come to sacrifice will take some of the pots and cook in them. And on that day, there will be no longer a Canaanite in the house of the Lord Almighty. They'll be cleansing. And then the last book of the Bible. The last book of the Bible, the second to the last verse of the Bible, Malachi chapter 4. Verse 1, it says this, Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace, and all the arrogant and the evildoers will be stubble. And that day is coming, will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left. But you who revere my name, the son of the righteousness will rise like healing in its wings and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. See, there's a difference between those who walk with God and those who don't walk with God every day of the week and especially on the day of the Lord. Then you will trample down the wicked and there there will be ashes under your soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decree and laws I gave him. Verse 5, see, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So you start to get the picture and we can wrap this up. There's only a couple verses left, but they're very important. And let's just quickly go to Matthew 24. And you can bring up Matthew 24, verse 1. And there was a time when the disciples were asking Jesus the same question we should all ask sometime in our life. When's all this going to happen? How does this end? When will you set up your kingdom? What's going to happen? Jesus left the temple and he's walking with his disciples and they came up to him and call his attention to the buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked them. I tell you the truth, not one stone will be left on another. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? When will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And Jesus said, watch out. Same thing Peter says, watch out. False teachers will come secretly introducing things to distract you from your worship, to distract you from the Lord Jesus, to distract you from your walk. Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are just the beginning of the birth pains. All these things are just the beginning of the birth pains. But only at the Lord's command, only when he is finished with his plan, will he speak and the trumpet sound. And so in Matthew 24, verse 29, look at what it says. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds in the sky with power and great glory. And I'm going to close with one verse in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says this, verse one, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you brothers not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed The man doomed to destruction, he will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. And as it said in First Thessalonians 5, don't worry, God's got this. So Peter closes his letter, all the the informational part, and we'll close next week with his final greeting to the people he loved. The day of the Lord will come. It will certainly come. There's There's nothing that will save or spare anyone from the day of the Lord save faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's no one on earth today that can speed its coming. There's no one on earth today that can prevent its coming. There's no one on earth that knows the coming of the day of the Lord, save Jesus Christ alone through the knowledge of the Father. And so since everything will be destroyed in this way, and the day of the Lord is coming, what kind of people ought you to be? You think about that all week long. I'll think about that all week long and we'll gather here next week and bring your friends and let's look into the word. Father, we're thankful for the privilege we have to know some of what your word says and we can continue to look and we continue to pray. We continue to glean. We continue to ask others and we continue to wait With eager expectation and great hope. With fear and trembling for those who don't know you. For angst in our heart for those who are scoffing and rejecting you. For humility. With humility. We wait on you. And whatever our hand finds to do, we do it with all our heart to give you praise and glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen.